Welcome to Apollo's Muses, the COVID culture and cash series. Hi everybody, happy Star Wars Day. I hope wherever you are in the galaxy, you're doing really well. My name is David Burgess, I'm director of Apollo Fundraising, and this is episode five of our COVID culture and cash series of podcasts. Through this series, we're trying to shine a light on the experiences of arts fundraisers during the coronavirus pandemic sharing their stories of how they're continuing to raise money for their organisations during this time. Today I'm talking to Felicity Sutherland, who's Head of Development at Dulwich Picture Gallery. Dulwich Picture Gallery is one of my favourite visual arts organisations. It's based here in London and it was the world's first purpose-built public art gallery. They've got an incredible collection of works by old masters, as well as a really interesting temporary exhibition programme. And I guess on a more personal note, it was also the last arts organisation I visited before the UK went into lockdown. I love chatting to Felicity because every time I talk to her, I'm struck by just how positive and optimistic she is. I'm not completely convinced there is a situation out there that would face her. It strikes me she's the perfect person to have leading a fundraising team at this time. A couple of other reasons why I was keen to talk to Felicity. Uh, Felicity joined Dulwich Picture Gallery in January. So as a relative newcomer to the organisation, I was interested to see how that was influencing and impacting the way she was working with supporters at this time. The second reason is that as an outsider, it strikes me that there's been a noticeable change in tone in the way Dulwich Picture Gallery has been promoting its fundraising message. So I was really keen to hear from Felicity how that had come about. Hi everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of COVID Culture and Cash and delighted to have Felicity Sutherland from Dulwich Picture Gallery with me this evening. Hi Felicity, how are you? I'm great, thanks David, how are you? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. That's very kind of you to ask. Nice to be polite. That's it, that's it. We are fundraisers after all. (laughs) Yes. So for people that don't know you, uh, do you want to say a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and a bit about Dulwich Picture Gallery as well? Yeah, of course. So, uh, as as you said, I'm Felicity Sutherland. Um, I'm obviously the head of development at Dulwich Picture Gallery. Uh, I've been here since January, so I'm very new to the post. Uh, and as uh, everybody can imagine, it's been a bit of a baptism of fire. Seeing you sort of just get to the point where you get your feet under the desk, and then we all get we all get uh, pushed off with the galleries being closed and uh, COVID-19 happening. So it's been quite an interesting period for us all. Um, Before this, I worked at Opera Holland Park as their head of comms and development. And before that, I was at Historic Royal Palaces in their development team. So sort of working my way through uh, the different culture and arts organisations in London. Uh, But it's been a really interesting time and I've learned a lot over the years from some really um, amazing people that I've worked with. And hopefully in a position that maybe I can use some of that information now to help the organisation get through this difficult, challenging time that we're all facing. Uh, for those of you who've not been to Dulwich, it's an amazing art gallery based in South East London. Uh, it's got a world-class collection of paintings, old master paintings. Um, and we also put on some amazing temporary exhibitions. Uh, in the, the one that we closed the gallery to was British Surrealism. So it's so very fitting for the world that we're currently living in and uh, hopefully 
uh, people can catch up with the amazing bits of it online if, if they didn't get to see it beforehand. It's such a shame, isn't it? I mean, I was lucky enough to come to the private view for, for British surrealism and the thought of that fantastic exhibition just lying completely... So where people can't come and see it is, is so sad. But I have seen some of the, the videos that, that Delich have been doing with, with Jenny talking about some of the pieces and they are they are fab. So obviously this is quite a baptism of fire then, isn't it? I mean, three months into into the post and, and everything being being thrown up in the air. I mean, what impact has it had so far on the organisation and, yeah, particularly in terms of fundraising and, and financially? I think the, the thing that we're facing, which is probably true for many other organisations, uh, both charities and, and companies up and down the country, is it's had a huge shock to our cash flow in the very first instance. Uh, Dulwich is a completely independent charity. It doesn't get any arts council or government funding at all. And as such, we have um, a business model that relies on visitor income. So closing the gallery very suddenly um, and at the end of one financial year as well uh, has had a massive impact on, on everything really. And the, the immediate reaction that we've had is to just try and um, close everything down in an attempt to sort of keep ourselves afloat because as we all know, who knows how long this is going to go on for. And I think that's one of the real challenges that we have. You know, it's not like we're going, okay, we're closing for a capital project and we're going to be closed for six months. And so therefore we know in our business plan how much money we're going to need and all the rest of it. It's, this could be three weeks, this could be three months, who knows? And we need to do everything we can to ensure that the, the gallery is able to keep going during that time. So the first, the first impact has definitely been on that. And that was definitely the first four or five weeks um, for everybody sort of scrabbling around and trying to do what they can to, to come to terms with it. Now we're in a, a position where we've basically furloughed the entire organisation and that's uh, helped a lot with uh, cash flow issues um, and done, you know, all the back end work that we need to to make sure that we're, we're viable for the next few months. Um, but we're obviously looking at what that means going forward and particularly what happens when the job retention scheme ends. Uh, and people are coming back to work and then also what's going to mean when social distancing measures which we're assuming are going to be put in place are going to happen and what's that's going to mean to the gallery and you know how we're going to function with visitors numbers and and all of those things going forward so it's a sort of firefighting and then also trying to do that long-term planning section as well and and working forwards towards it so for someone coming let's say in into your your third month then do you think there are some advantages to that in that actually you hadn't been able to get onto that long-term plan so changing and reacting becomes a bit more natural because you're not tied to those plans or what are sort of the advantages and disadvantages of that um i think yeah i think the advantages are that you know you're sort of only beginning three months in you're sort of just getting your feet under the table you're understanding the history of the organization from a fundraising point of view you're you're just beginning to think about your forward strategy and the things that you're going to be fundraising for in the future and all of those things. So yes, we were literally at a point where we were beginning to have conversations with new donors about future programming and future projects. So in many ways, not having been there that long and not having established those conversations, not having got very far with them anyway, I do think that does put you in a bit of an advantage that you can 
you can pivot very quickly from that to, to the fundraising that you need to do right now um, without feeling that sort of heart-wrenching loss <laughs> for all your hard work. You're watching it disappear in front of you. That definitely helps. Obviously, some of the disadvantages are that you don't necessarily know the gallery very well. You don't know, you don't have that historic knowledge of your donor base. You don't know necessarily who the people are who've really supported you in the past. You don't really understand the nuances of those relationships. Um, and trying to get to grips with all of that remotely is quite difficult. Yeah. Both with, with obviously myself being remote, but being remote from the other people in the organisation who do understand those those relationships as well. I mean, that's a definitely difficult, but we're all learning all the time. Zoom is helping. <laughs> Teams, Microsoft Teams, I'm sure we're all experts at that now. Oh, so I've not dabbled with Teams yet. I've, I've avoided Teams, but um, yeah, yeah. De- definitely. Choose your poison. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about how fundraising at Dulwich works when we're not in the middle of a global health pandemic, sort of what are the main income streams and, and the areas that you, you're able to raise money from normally? Uh, yeah, trust is a big area for us, actually. It's, uh, you know, has been very successful over many years, um, which, as everybody knows, requires quite a lot of forward planning. You're looking at 12 to 18 months for a serious trust application to come through. So that means that you're you're always working on those projects, you know, those future exhibitions, those long-term capital plans. Yeah, so obviously you're always forward planning with things like that. Um, and, you know, that that's great that we, we have that and we have a long history of having those um, relationships with big funders as well, which is really, really helpful. Um, and then individuals is definitely another big area for us as well, which in many ways is very helpful in this situation because, of course, individuals can can pivot quite quickly to help you. Um, they're not so dependent on trustee meetings and uh, what the grant giving policy of their organisations are and and having to get everything, all their sort of ducks in a row. Um, whilst all of the trusts have been very, very supportive, I mean, that is still an issue that they, they need to, to build up um, their timeline for when they're going to be helping you. And obviously they're also very dependent on their investment income, which is rather volatile at the moment. Uh, so looking towards those individuals and those supporters that, that can be helping is very helpful. Um, so usually what we're fundraising for are upcoming exhibitions uh, over the next two or three years ahead of us. Yeah, so future exhibitions, our learning programme. Um, we've just been announced as the cultural partner for the Tessa Jow Health Centre in Dulwich. Um, so we're obviously looking at all of that work and moving into that sort of healthcare sector as well, which was really interesting. Um, and will continue. It's just that obviously it has a pin stuck in it at the moment, whilst they, as well as us, are, are scrabbling to to cope with the current situation. And it would definitely be great to chat more about that partnership uh, to a later point, because I think there's some really interesting things there about the way you're working with uh, that health provider and what that means, both from an arts point of view and from, from the health organisation's point of view. But so then thinking in terms of the last sort of five five or six weeks, uh, you've mentioned obviously you're normally a fundraising team of five, isn't it? And I think I think you've mentioned you furloughed four, so you're sort of taking on not just all the work as head of department you would normally have, but also picking up on all the all of those relationships. So what does that look like over the last five or six weeks? Yes, yeah, so yes, you're Other quite right. Hard work. <laughs> quite hard work. That's definitely true. Yeah, so we're down from from five to just myself 
which has also helped with my learning curve of the organisation, <laughs> to say. And, uh, I, know, I know an awful lot more than I did before I started, before five weeks ago anyway. So, yes, I mean, it, it's one of those challenges that we had that the, the trustees and the directorate made the decision that to ensure the long-term stability of the gallery, that we had to furlough as many people as possible, and that included the, the fundraising team. So even though we need the income at the moment, the decision was made that just one of us could could soldier on and hopefully bring in the, the necessary uh, money that we need. It's been rather interesting. We're obviously writing applications for some of the emergency funds that are out there at the moment, so doing a bit of trusts work. Um, we have a public campaign going as well um, to support the gallery in this time. And we're also reaching out to our individual donors and supporters as well, to ask them sort of privately whether they can, can step up and make significant gifts to, to help us through the next few months and, and onwards after that. Um, so it's a real sort of real spread of, of direction that we're going in on, on all fundraising fronts. I suppose the only, the only one that we haven't really tackled are, are corporates at the moment. We've, we've kind of felt that the majority of the corporate sector were going to be in a firefighting phase themselves at this stage mm-hmm. and that it wasn't really an area that was going to be a priority for us to target. And especially when we're down to a team of one, it's probably much better to, to focus the firepower on things that we think are going to make a, a quicker return. And so thinking then in, in terms of those approaches to to individuals and we'll chat more about the that sort of wider campaign in just a second, how, how's that been working? Because obviously these are relationships that you're coming to quite quite new. So have you been leading on those relationships? Has it been split out across other members of the team? And what sort of responses have you, you had from supporters? We've sort of split the approaches based on the relationships that we have. So uh, we're very lucky that our director, Jennifer Scott, is a very good fundraiser and she's got some great relationships with some of our individual donors and is that gift for fundraisers, somebody who is not afraid to pick up the phone and ask people for help, which has been wonderful. And she's been, she's been great actually at just reaching out to some of our top donors and just asking them directly. And then people that maybe our relationship isn't as close with, or we need to go to a administrator or, or some other person, then maybe it's been myself leading on that conversation um, and sort of using our, our heavy guns for keeping them in the wings, so to speak, to use them for the, the top dogs. It's been, um, it's been really interesting, actually, that we're not obviously a frontline organisation. You know, we can't claim that we are there tackling the sort of instant impacts of COVID-19. Um, and those organisations are amazing and they really deserve everybody's help and support. But the people that we've been talking to really do understand that the cultural sector needs people's help right now and not just to to cope with this moment right now, but also for several months into the future. They really get that this is going to be a, a big challenge for lots of people. And they're very, everybody that we've spoken to has been incredibly supportive. I think the thing that's really struck me when I've spoken to people and that's, you know, from our friends right up to our major donors, is that they recognise that this is something that's impacting the entire country and that we're all in it together and everybody's doing what they can 
to keep going, but that it's going to have a long-term impact and that, you know, that people are going to need support and they're very willing to have those conversations and to do what they can to help. That's amazing to hear. And, and are you hearing that from people you might not have expected to hear that message back from? I suppose so, yes. So we decided with our, with our friends, with our members at a very basic level, you know, a group of people that you would usually imagine are very benefits driven. Mm. And if a gallery is closed, would not therefore be particularly interested in renewing their support. And we decided that what we were going to do, because we, we really needed the income, was to ask people to keep renewing, but that we would say thank you to all those people who did renew by extending their memberships for the entire length of time that the gallery is going to be closed for. And we wrote to most of them through the mailing house, but there's a whole load of people that we don't have email addresses for. And we decided that because for various reasons, those people had had a different letter or, or whatever at the beginning, that we were just going to call them all. So we literally sat down one afternoon and called all of those people that, and explained the situation to them. And to a man, every single one of them said, absolutely, of course, we'll renew. We really want to support. Not a problem. You know, thank you. That's so kind of you for extending your memberships. You didn't even need to do that. We would have done it anyway, which was amazing, actually. That must have been really heartening. You're having to work so hard. You're having to pick up the pieces for, for an entire team. Actually, to spend that day hearing those messages and getting that response from people must sort of remind you why it is we do we do this job. Absolutely. You know, it's so nice to get that outpouring of warmth and support from people. You know, And the other nice thing, of course, about calling people at this time is, A, they're all at home, so you can definitely get hold of them. And... B, they're all delighted to talk to you because they've seen their husband or their son or whoever it is, and that's the only person they've seen. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hello, yes, love to have a chat. <laughs> that never happens. So actually for making that first contact with, with a lot of these supporters, they couldn't have been a better time. Better time <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and in terms of then the people you've been asking to to make donations at this time and when we talk about going out to your major donors and, and those who are already giving at a high level are you seeing them giving larger gifts than they would normally give or is it does it tend to be sort of in line with with what they've done before it it does tend to be in line with what they've done before or sometimes slightly less to be honest okay um i think that people are aware that this is a long-term crisis and that they need to you know think about how that's spread out you know, they're very willing to help, but they're maybe not giving as much as they would have done before to things. That is, that is the case. So you probably need to go to a few more people than you would have done before, before COVID-19. But I think what's nice is that they are still willing to, to help. And I think particularly that message where you say, as you say, people have had a, quite a transactional relationship, that moving to that of being much more philanthropic, mm-hmm. uh, I think is really interesting. So can you tell us a bit more about the appeal then that you've, you've been running and sort of how you came up with the messaging for that and, and how that's been working in practice? Yeah, of course. So we started our public appeal about 10 days after uh, lockdown was announced when the sort of real impact of the cash flow situation was, was becoming uh, apparent to the organisation. And we've we started with a very honest and open message to everybody. The first correspondence came from Jennifer, our director. 
really explicitly saying to people exactly what the situation that the gallery was facing, the problem with the cash flow, what the shortfall was, you know, and that sort of, it was a real, it was quite a raw message actually that went out to our supporters. And it, you know, it, it, I think it reflected quite honestly how the organization was feeling at that time and that real impact that we had at the beginning. Um, And we've kept up, that sort of regular email correspondence so that every couple of weeks we have another one going out from a different voice. So the second one went out from Alexander Moore, who's our head of exhibitions. And that again was very open and honest, but telling the story of how this situation has impacted exhibitions and future programming and the work that we're having to do there to solve the problems and, and, and problem solve. And we wanted to show people that we were doing everything that we could as an organization to to get through this, but that even with everything that we were doing, we still needed people's support and we wanted to be really open with people about all of that as well. So we've been sort of having those regular email correspondence that have been going out to our, our supporters. And then we've also been having messages on social media and through our e-coms with our sort of larger mailing list about lots of different ways that people can support, of which donating is one of them. And then we've also been trying to do more sort of positive fundraising, I suppose is a way of putting it, which is fundraising around content that we're putting out, um, films that we're putting out, you know, keeping that message of, you know, I hope you've, hope you've enjoyed this, please consider supporting. Um, We've joined online Twitter campaigns. So there was the Museums Unlocked campaign at the weekend as well, um, which we we put out and uh, we joined in with as well. So we've sort of been trying different methods of reaching out to people and different messaging to see, you know, what's making an impact with people. And then we've also been reaching out through our community as well. So the foundation schools um, who support the gallery have been going out to their mailing lists and and going out through that way as well, which has been a wonderful way that they've supported. And that holy grail of how you reach a new audience, especially after uh, GDPR, uh, ensuring that we maintain our authenticity about who we contact. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that those early messages had quite a raw and honest feel. And I think as someone that's received those messages from the gallery, it definitely feels like a noticeable shift in tone. Was that a conscious decision or is that something you think has come about quite naturally? How did that all come about? It actually came from our director. So we started off, the first drafts of those messages were a sort of much more traditional fundraising appeal I would say had less of the emotion behind it um, and we went through several drafts of that with it going backwards and forwards and Jennifer actually came back to us and said I had this idea you know I, I went into the gallery yesterday and I saw one of the security guards and I had this conversation with him and I feel that we should be being much truer to the spirit of Dunwich Picture Gallery which for us means 
having that sort of open, honest relationship with our, our friends, our supporters, our, our communication. About usually, you know, obviously in usual times, that means that we're having an open, honest conversation about all sorts of wonderful things that are going on and wonderful things that we're doing. And isn't it lovely? And isn't everything fantastic? But this is obviously a very different situation to that. And, and being true to our voice and being open and honest with people means that we need to share with them just how difficult this is right now. And it did have, it did have a really good impact. You know, we were very pleased about, you know, the way that people responded to those messages and came back to us and how they wanted to support. So obviously that, that raw, that heartfelt message works with people that have an existing relationship with the gallery. Has that message been slightly different than going out to that new audience where you've been working through partners and, and people like the foundation schools? Yes, definitely. It's been, we've obviously kept the message about exactly what the the income target is, what we, what we need, but we haven't had quite that level of emotion um, with those audiences. We felt that with people who were more distant to us, that maybe it wasn't quite so appropriate to be that raw with them and that we've kept it more upbeat and, and still honest, but not quite so, not quite having that emotional punch to it. Um, and it has been interesting actually that the approaches that we've had around um, our e-coms to our general mailing list and things that have had a sort of more of a, you know, I hope you enjoyed this, please consider supporting us, have had quite an impact on people. We've definitely seen more donations coming from that than we would do normally. Great. And again, is that, you think that's because of people just being aware of, of the situation and sort of having that inbuilt understanding that we're all in this together? Yeah, I think that it's, I think that it comes from the fact that people are very aware that this is impacting organisations all over the country. I mean, I think it helps that the National Theatre have been very, very open as well about their need for fundraising at this time. Um, and in all of their amazing plays that they've been streaming as well, that to have that out there, and that's something that the community are talking about quite openly. And that does, it helps definitely to, for people to be keep pushing that message. And obviously, as you said, this is hitting every arts organisation pretty hard at the moment. But for Dulwich, I mean, people that are familiar with the organisation organization will know, I mean, this is the second ex exhibition in a row that's had to be closed down because of obviously the incident around um, Rembrandt's lights back in November. Do you think that's impacted, firstly, on the way the organisations approach fundraising, but also on your supporters' response? Do you think they're aware also of that sort of double whammy? We didn't really do much fundraising around the incident in November. Um, we we were very lucky in many ways. You know, it wasn't for those who don't know. We had an attempted theft at the gallery, um, but it was it was failed. And you know, our security systems really stood up to the test. And uh, unfortunately, the the would be thieves got away, but they didn't get away with either of the paintings, which were um, recovered and safely safely recovered. 
And our messaging at that point to our audiences was very much the fact that this incident had happened. We had to close the gallery for a couple of weeks on the back of it, but that it was a, it was a foiled attempt. And you know, although obviously it had an impact on us, it, it wasn't the end of the world. So whilst people were aware that that had happened, we weren't in the situation that we'd done a big fundraising push and now we were doing another one. Mm. So I think that has probably helped us that whilst people are aware that we've had a bit of an Annus Horribilis, it's, it's not another occasion that we've gone out and asked our same audience to support us again. Having had that incident last year, we were definitely facing our challenges at the beginning of this year. And having have this incident happen to us right now does make us feel like we're in a bit of a perfect storm. But like I said, we have been delighted about how positively people have reacted to our initial approaches. We're moving much quicker than we ever would have done normally as an organisation to get our ducks in a row, work out exactly what we think is going to be happening over the next few months and put our plans in place to how we're going to tackle it. And I hope that, I'm sure that we'll come out of it stronger as an organisation. So looking over the next couple of months then, Will it be more focused on that appeal or have you got other things that you think are now going to start, you, you're going to start focusing on over the next couple of months? I mean, our immediate concern is seeing the gallery through the next nine months um, until social distancing can come to an end mm. and the country can begin to return to some form of normality. We do, of course always need to keep our eye on what is going to be happening at the other end of that and what our plans are, because the way the fundraising works, especially is that you need some run up to, to be able to cover those costs. So, you know, when we reopen, we will have an exhibition in place and we'll need to be funded and we need to be thinking about how we're going to be raising that money and what we're going to be doing about it. Um, we will have learning projects in the future and we need to be making sure that they're funded. So it's a sort of split focus, I guess, at the moment between what we need to do right now to make sure that we're in a good position and what we need to be doing in the future, because we can't get to a point where we've done an amazing job and, you know, big slap on the back and, you know, isn't that fantastic? And we've really sailed through this as an organisation, but we haven't been focusing on what's at the end of the tunnel because we can very easily find ourselves in a situation where we have no fundraising in the future and that puts everything into jeopardy and puts us on the back foot as well as we're trying to move forward. So it's that sort of balancing of the two priorities. Talk to me about how you're sort of managing the relationship with the rest of the team at this time. So I've got a huge amount of respect for managers at the best of times, but obviously that remote working and particularly when staff are on are on furlough are you able to keep in touch with them and and sort of keep updated with them yeah i mean it is definitely a challenge um and trying to to check in with people regularly i mean once when we were all working 
we had a, a morning meeting every day. We all got on our Zoom call or our Teams call and had a good chat and saw what everybody was up to and had a little gossip about what we'd watched on TV the night before, <laughs> all the important things. Shared our opinions on what we thought about the Tiger King and Carol Baskin. And in some ways, obviously, that was easier and harder. I suppose it was both easier and harder because you had that regular meeting that you were doing every day and you had the opportunity to talk to everybody and you know see what was happening. But of course, everybody's quite far away. And it is very difficult when you've gone from working in a three by two meter office with five of you to <laughs> having to chat over Teams or over the phone. Um, to try and catch up on what people are doing and you know they're not there just to ask a question or all the rest of it and then since everyone's been on furlough we try to to chat you know try to talk to all of them at least once a week um, we've had a couple of zoom quizzes team quizzes which has been quite fun uh, that we've been doing and uh, you know just trying to stay in touch with people because I think the whole organization is very conscious that you know whilst there's six of us still here beavering away and you know that's a bit frantic at times it's actually really difficult if you're the person who's not at work mm. and you're mm. at home and it's a very unsettling time for everybody and nobody really knows what's happening and you're worried about your family and your friends and you know you haven't got the distraction of of work to to keep you going you know and it's really really hard and i think everybody is the whole organisation is conscious of that, so we try to stay in touch as much as we can. Um, but thought, thank, thank God for the power of Zoom, eh? Places. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, and what about for yourself? Because this is a huge amount of pressure, as you say, on the six people that are left. So, how are you managing that? and sort of making sure you're taking enough care of yourself as well as sort of managing that pressure? Well, I have the advantage of having a nine-month-old child, so, you know, I always have something to distract me. So actually fundraising <laughs> for the... I mean, that's the easy bit, that's the... Yeah, absolutely. You know, a couple of million pounds, fine. Yeah, bring that in, don't worry about it. <laughs> Screaming child and, you know, fed up with in the night garden, not so, not so much fun. <laughs> No, she's very good, but she's always she's always there to you know give you a hug and fall over and bash a knee and have a wail and you know all those sorts of things that that keep you distracted most of the time. So. <laughs> My daughter told me I was a beautiful butterfly before she went to bed tonight, so that's Aww, that's kept me going. That's lovely. <laughs> so, I mean, do you think there are any positive things that have come out of this? Are there any things that you hope will continue after coronavirus and after lockdown? So one of the things that would be great to see change in the future is the sort of removal of red tape and bureaucracy that lots of the funders are are doing at the moment, which has been hugely helpful and would be continue to be helpful in the future. I think the, I'd like to, the warmth that we've been having from our supporters to continue. Um, definitely. And the sort of lowering of barriers that you get as well. You know, when you're all in one in one boat or what somebody said the other day you're all in the same storm but you're all in separate boats just paddling in the same direction but uh, <laughs> there is when you speak to people you know and I suppose I noticed this particularly because I don't know them very well and I you know I'm reaching out to people sometimes for the first time over the phone 
and yet they're very you know we have that sort of common bond because we're all in the storm together and that's actually very interesting as human beings in the way that we connect with people and it makes a big difference obviously for fundraisers because what we do is try to connect with people um so that's been that's been really nice actually to have that with people we we actually did some zoom did a zoom event for our patrons as well before uh the team went went away uh which was great which was a really lovely thing to do and it was a conservation close-up so looking at the work that we'd had done on one of the paintings in our collection that we were going to do as an in-person event at the gallery and then obviously we went into lockdown and we couldn't do it so we decided to recreate the event and our wonderful curator peter kerber put together this great presentation which he shared on zoom got all his shared content working and all the rest of it which is much better than i can do and uh he gave a really good presentation to everybody and then people were really engaged and they asked loads of questions but what some of the really nice things about it was that it, it was an event that we could actually invite some of our overseas supporters to come and join so that we had a mixture of of people from different countries all there you know, so as long as you get your timing right and you can do it at a time that you know you can join from singapore as well as doing it in london um it was really it was really lovely actually it was really nice um event to to do and i'd like to be able to it was an interesting way of reaching out to those people in foreign climes so i think that's something that we should look at doing again whether we're out of lockdown or not that's really nice did, i mean did you find that a lot of the supporters were sort of uh, it almost had that sort of lecture vibe where they're waiting for guidance or waiting for him for peter or you to lead or did you find they were able to actually start talking to themselves and sort of starting to shape some of that as if they were in the same room as each other as you might have at a sort of normal drinks event yeah no they absolutely did it was really interesting actually so it was literally a zoom meeting that we had which we allowed people into when they turned up and uh and uh, but i got there and they were all chatting to each other and we had two two couples there who were both dining in from singapore but who didn't know each other and they somehow managed to get involved in a conversation where they discovered that they were both in the same city at the same time, but on this Zoom call, it was lovely, actually. It was really nice that oh, they were amazing. interacting with each other in that way. Because I know a couple of organisations have, have tried similar things, and I'd always thought, I wonder how that actually works as a sort of social dynamic. But great yeah. to hear that, that people were, were engaged. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I know it's really chatty. I think again, Zoom works quite well, doesn't it? Because you can have, you know, however many people in the screen, so you can all sort of see each other. Feel that you're in one of those terrible game shows. <laughs> well, it also must be quite nice for more introverted supporters who might might feel quite uncomfortable in, at events like that of going, having to go up and start conversations. Whereas actually, just being able to sit back and listen to that without feeling that pressure to join in. And I guess for yeah, introverted fundraisers as well. I mean, I, I hate events like that. I'd much rather just stand and listen to other people. But, uh... <laughs> Can you say that as a fundraiser? <laughs> That's why I'm a consultant. <laughs> so you mentioned the National Theatre live streaming uh, and obviously the fact that uh, Dulwich Picture Gallery have made loads of stuff available online as well. So we'll definitely include the link there. Is there any other sort of cultural content that you've seen that you'd recommend to other people? 
Well, other than our own social media channels, which I would obviously recommend to all people, especially our Instagram for our Creative Wednesdays content, which I definitely recommend to people to give it a go. Um, I think that lots of organisations have been amazing at putting up incredible content and things that we can get our teeth into. I would definitely recommend the John Soane Museum have put up a series of three films that they made about the restoration of their building over six years. Um, so that's definitely worth a look. Oh, nice. We've got some time um, to go and, have, go and seek out. Um, and the BBC's Culture in Quarantine, which I'm sure everybody's already stumbled across, but that's great as well for links and, and trips off into seeing what other organisations are doing and and uh, ways that we can while away those those many hours that we're spending in front of our computers. Fantastic. Felicity, thank you so much for chatting about the work you're doing at Dulwich Picture Gallery at the moment. I'm going to let you go, but it's lovely speaking to you, as always. Nice to talk to you too. Huge thanks to Felicity for giving up her time to talk to me this evening. As I said at the start, I always find Felicity's positive outlook really infectious. So it was great to spend an hour chatting about the work she's been doing at Dulwich Picture Gallery during this time. And I think it reflected a number of the themes that we've heard through these interviews and these conversations. The first, that telephone fundraising, uh, even though it's not a, a channel that arts organisations tend to use, is seeing a really great response rate at this time. The fact that people are at home and the fact that people are looking for that chance to connect with people outside of their household means that people are spending longer talking to people on the phone and are making donations following an ask. Another message that we've heard a number of times now is just how important it is to use a really authentic, honest and human voice within your fundraising message at this time. And I think the fact that that was coming from the director of the gallery, someone their supporters will know and respect, is really important. Being vulnerable with supporters isn't necessarily an easy thing to do, and it requires trust on both sides. But as Felicity said, our supporters understand the situation at the moment. They understand that this is a problem impacting every person and every organisation around the world. So if ever there was a time to be vulnerable, it seems this is it. And finally, it was great to hear that Dulwich Picture Gallery are seeing success with new acquisition and working with partners to try and reach a new audience of supporters. And fingers crossed that continues to help them reach people who care about their cause and their organisation and form the set of relationships that last far beyond this pandemic. That's it for episode five, or episode two, if you're using the Star Wars approach to counting. Huge thanks to Felicity again for giving up her time. I'm going to be back in a few days' time chatting to Dominic Haddock from English Touring Opera. In the meantime, to fundraisers wherever you are, may the force be with you. <laughs>